Welcome to the Cult of Comics. Welcome back to the Cult of Comics podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, and today, of course, we have Josh and Craven. How's it going? That's exactly what That's we've got That's not my name. Here. No, shh. Josh and Craven, how's it going? Craven the Hunter? I think Tyler's having a stroke. Strong and a bonk and a bear. Craven, comma, West. Narm. If you've never been on the show before, this is a comic book media podcast. Uh, it's the only show where you can find three dicks for the price of one. Uh, I am Tyler. I am a 30-year-old Pacific Northwesterner. That's Sean Walsh. He is, I guess, Irish, but technically not really because he doesn't even like whiskey. And that's Josh Craven, the only man I've ever known to give his full heart into every single thing he did. And he just ran two marathons uh, in order to raise uh, over a million dollars uh, for charity. Uh, but we don't know what that charity is. I think it was for three different reasons, right? To save a million children, I think is one of them, right? What was the... It was to slay a million children, actually. Mm. So basically like Rwanda, but for infanticide instead. What would you call that? Baby Rwanda? Uh... I'm trying to come up with a good word. Uh, I believe in you. uh, The R-toddlering genocide? (laughs) I, I can accept that. I will accept this. Uh, today is Sunday, September 26, 2021. We're still in the middle of the pandemic, and today is our news episode, where we are going to talk about all the things happening in the world of comic books. And, there is and right off the lot. bat, we're going to... Not really, no, but uh, right off the bat, we're going to talk about uh, the biggest news, which is that Marvel is both getting sued by creators of the families for the rights of the characters, as well as countersuing uh, for rights uh, to those uh, families of creators. Now... In specific, there's been a couple of different reports. The Hollywood Reporter is citing specifically the family members of Steve Ditko uh, for creations that he has made, although there are other characters uh, that were created specifically, such as uh, characters on the Avengers, such as Iron Man uh, and Doctor Strange, I believe. Doctor Strange is the one in specific that was cited because of Steve Ditko. Um, and the way that this is looking is this is actually looking a lot like what happened with the Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster's case in 1947 to an extent. Um, now the ways in which they're similar are, uh, actually something that we've gone over in copyright law. So regarding the ownership, um, of characters because of, as you guys know, a lot of how these old, uh, contracts worked is it basically was work for hire so in march 1st 1938 a contract uh was signed by siegel and schuster uh in which they sold superman to detective comics back when uh, it was still detective comics not dc and was it not believe... still national comics at that point uh dc comics incorporated they ate each other didn't they yeah national comics yeah well in a way they did comics which became dc comics yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So basically, Detective Comics was the number one seller of all time, of course. So that was the big reason why they gained so much money in order to be able to purchase all of these other characters. That's why they were able to purchase Blue Beetle, Aquaman, blah, 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 eventually molding everybody in together. Action Comics started to go under in the 1940s, I believe. Um, I can't remember if it was late 1940s. I think it was late 1940s in specific because I do remember very vividly that there was quite a few uh, issues of Superman punching like Japanese uh, kamikaze fighters on covers and stuff like that. Uh, oh, but the Captain America uh, just like flying right up next to the plane and yeah. just like boop. Basically, and I mean, well, there's also several issues of Detective Comics where Batman is punching Hitler and, and other Nazis. Everyone gets their um, shot at Hitler. Absolutely. So the essential uh, summary for this is that because of the original contract, uh, these work-for-hire rulings uh, designated that these characters created uh, by these people would be printed under the publishing houses at the time, which officially gave them ownership over these things. Now, there actually is a specific issue, uh, comic book issue that came out this week that reminded me of this, and I think it was intentional, which is the Miracle Molly issue. Uh, and it actually touches on how businesses, companies, contracts can designate that any work that is done under the umbrella, uh, whether it's in the building or for the work of a company, is the property of that company, work, or building. And well, this is no different comics. from that. That's, yeah, that's, that's any kind of business. Like, if I write code while working for a business, that's that belongs to the business if i'm using their using their hardware their computers or doing it on location there yeah absolutely that's that's a really good example of that um this is not an uncommon practice uh however with the regards with regards to uh the ownership of superman because Siegel and schuster had lost the official ownership uh of these characters uh, they argued that they still owned the copyright, which is technically true and is technically true of any artist, uh, photographer, musician, what have you. Just by creating something and uh, putting it out into the world, you technically have the full ownership of that copyright. Mm -hmm. So unless you have a full declaration saying that you sell uh, the copyright to something in order for a company to fully own the use of it, um, another really good example of this would be the difference between, uh, or the way in which Marvel has been, uh, towing the line with Spider-Man. Now, obviously they still own the copyright, uh, for the character so they can print the comics. They have full ownership of that. They can make TV shows. They can make the toys. But when it comes to Sony in the, the original contract in 1998, when Marvel was going bankrupt, uh, it was that they purchased the film ownership rights as well as a part of the toy sales with it. So this is basically something uh, that is referred to as a lack of mutuality. Uh, basically saying that because of the early nature of these works, they were not considered fully developed. And because of the way that these works have grown over time, um, it comes into a question of when something becomes so big, how much of that was in the original express intent and purpose of that creation of that character versus how it's used now? Um, I can't really think of any other times that we've seen this uh, outside of this case. I mean, obviously, there's the question of... Um, I think it's 
just about any kind of a state, you know, trying to claim back full control or partial control of whatever the property is of the absolutely creator. absolutely and i mean it's not the first time that we've seen something like this in comics i mean we've seen the not that long ago uh recent filings between neil gaiman and todd mcfarlane where gaiman wanted to have ownership and complete copyright over uh, Angela, which he eventually sold to Marvel, and Todd McFarlane actually ironically used a lot of the same arguments that he uh, was told when he was told that he could not take Venom with him when he left Marvel. Mm -hmm. uh, this is yeah. a unfortunately a, a long-running kind of circular thing that we've seen in comics when it comes to copyright, and it's obviously the number one reason why a lot of creators typically jump ship from DC or Marvel. This kind um, of leads us on to our next point. We can circle back to the Marvel Getting Sued thing, but the Predator comics being indefinitely delayed now. It was supposed to come mm, in, I believe, yes. June, but that's been delayed because the original screenwriters for the original 1987 movie? Is it 87? Somewhere around there. Yeah, mm -hmm. they are claiming that the copyright should be reverted back to them now because enough time's passed that they can appeal it. So yeah. this is actually another uh, interesting argument because copyright law in America is something that has changed quite a bit over time. Original copyright law designated that within a certain period of time, I think it was around 60 to 70 years, that copyright to falls back to the original owner. Now. Yes, it has moved well, up Disney quite a bit. saying, you know... We need to keep Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse is ours. Keep extending the date so we can keep... If you just keep refiling, you technically can. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's an unfortunate legal loophole which has been abused quite a bit over time. And because people are just not that interested in uh, overseeing a hefty amount of copyright law, it's not something yeah. that gets pushed out in the I media very often. For Predator, it was... I think uh, what I had read was it might it was kind of tenuous on whether or not they actually had a claim to it, but Marvel kind of mm. blushed at that and said, okay, well, we don't want to test this just yet. Let's get it all figured out. Mm -hmm. um, going back to the uh, Superman case, uh, it was originally decided in 1948 uh, by a judge that both Superman and Superboy belonged to National Comics uh, publications. And this is following a separate judge who had concluded that Superman was owned by National Comics, but Siegel owned Superboy. However, it was later uh, challenged and there was a settling out of court. Uh, and under the... I actually just found this... Mm -hmm. Under the Copyright Act of 1909, the original copyright lasted uh, 28 years, so it wasn't even that long. It's extended all the way to 90 now, um, and the renewal does require uh, a uh, put in every 28 years. So, because of this, in 1965, uh, from 1965 to 1974, uh, there were copy multiple copyright renewal applications and another lawsuit. Uh, which is the more famous uh, lawsuit that we know of because of the way that the comic book industry responded to Siegel and Schuster and the overall uh, recognition that uh, they got screwed over uh, with this. This, nobody can predict how big something gets. I mean, you sell an idea for anything and it gets blown up to this way. It, no one can really make those kinds of predictions. You can't predict that 
Spawn will not be the best-selling comic of all time. You can't predict that Invincible will only run 144 issues. Those kinds of predictions are not things that you can really make. Uh, but when it comes to the uh, expanse of how big these things can get, um, that's something that people have tried to put into consideration when it comes to these copyright claims, laws, actions, and lawsuits. Uh, according to a source, a secondary uh, circuit court of appeals uh, had disagreed with the lower court's decision that Superman was a work made for hire. The court below, this is a quote, uh, instead relied upon finding of fact number 22, we're not going to go into which one of that is, in which the state court found that the plaintiffs did revise and expand the Superman material at the request of the defendants, and that this revised material consti constituted the formula for the ensuing series of strips. So, because of that uh, basic conclusion from the original work for hire, what they had done is they went back to the original creators, moved forward with trying to maintain a stronger sense of employment, and essentially taking their works and moving forward with it, uh, there was an argument that uh, they had full copyright ownership of uh, Superman. Uh, nevertheless, they agreed that Siegel and Schuster had indeed transferred the renewal rights and thus were not entitled to the copyright for Superman, unfortunately. So even though there was a appeal, uh, it still was reverted back to the original decision. A lot of this is because at the time they were very, very, very poor uh, when they had sold the works for this. They were just two dudes who just wanted to make uh, something fun. They didn't realize how big it was going to be. And then in 1992, uh, Schuster died. Uh, he transferred his control of his estate to his sister. Uh, and they signed an agreement with DC Comics wherein they regranted DC all of Joe Schuster's rights in exchange for $25,000 annual stipend. Uh, then in 1996, Siegel died. So it's a lot of not unlike what we saw with uh, Bill Finger, for example. Um, because of this declaration of ownership, it's how much do you want to hold on to the golden goose. You recognize how much money these things are. You recognize how much this has blown up to. Uh, but because of what happened with uh, the Bill Finger documentary, apparently uh, from 2000, uh, I'm sorry, this actually led to the Bill Finger documentary. 2004 to 2016, Siegel's heirs sued uh, once again in the district court for Central District of California. Uh, it looks like before the cases were resolved, uh, Laura Siegel Larson, uh, daughter, took over the cases and became uh, executor to D uh, Siegel Estate. And DC Comics argued that a letter from Siegel uh, constituted a binding acceptance of DC's offer for the rights of Superman. So, because yeah, of these multiple different... from the 90s basically said, you don't have standing now because we already had the agreement in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um... That, don't get me wrong, they're still going to get credit for all of these things, of yeah, course. And of course, I to mention is... In all Superman Superboy comics, in the title page, it said Superman with association with the Schuster and Siegel family. Siegel. Mm. And they do receive a stipend. They do receive some money. But because of the nature of the original agreements, they are not going to give up full ownership of these things. And this is one of those legal things where it's like obviously you want the people to get their due you want the people who made these things to get their due of course but it's also a question There's of the estates of the people that made these things absolutely it's 
sometimes just even getting recognition can be enough, but in this case, this happening with Disney and Marvel is going to push more of a question moving forward with how much are you going to allow a publishing house to claim full ownership of things and it's probably going to demotivate people from working with original contracts like that in the future with these big two uh in the case of steve ditko with the creation of dr strange uh, obviously there was a question not that long ago of Jack Kirby also wanting to lay claim to these things and then the Kirby estate, but because again, of the nature of things, it all fell back down to these same issues. Now the predator one is actually interesting because the argument there is that because the original screenwriters, uh, are trying to take ownership of that. It's not unlike the Sony and Marvel thing where they may have been the original screenwriters for the film and they do have a legal copyright to that. But when it comes to the distribution of comic books, that's a totally separate thing. Um, yeah, you gotta look And at I don't know where what, that's going to go. You need to look at what agreements have already been made for those. Yeah. Um, now, here's, here's the other fucked up thing about the Disney case is Disney has chosen to counter sue and is suing the estates oh they've they've basically sued to say to prove that they are asking that do we have the correct copyrights mm -hmm. so i it it's weird that you have to sue to ask the question do we have the right copyrights um i think that there's a big association with the word sue uh as if it's an attack in a lot of ways but in in actuality it is just a legal term that is typically used to bring two people together uh, to challenge or ask a question about these things. Um, if you are a divorcing couple and you want to sue your uh, former spouse uh, or spouse you're trying to separate from for ownership of something, it's a matter of something that can't be declared in a one-on-one -on -one conversation or with a group of people. It has to be handled with the legal court systems. And that way it's seen as something that's justifiable, uh, upheld with a document. And that way there's no ifs, ands, or busts. He said, she said kind of nonsense. Um, this is something that I actually yeah. am going to bring up to yeah, my... Marvel is seeking a declaration that it holds the valid copyrights to this to the disputed characters. Mm -hmm. The company is not pursuing any damages. Exactly. So it's uh, not they're not even seeking money out of that point. They're just seeking uh, a declaration in a document. Um, to be kind of notarized that we own this shit. Absolutely. A few things I do want to mention regarding the royalties they get for their characters they created. Um. I'm trying to think who it was. Len Wein, who created Wolverine, Storm, several X-Men, said despite the success of the X-Men movies, he got paid more for Ra's al Ghul's appearance in Batman Begins than he did for all of the X-Men, all the Wolverine movies, despite creating the characters. Hmm. I'm not surprised by and that. And Jim Starlin got nothing for Thanos. He didn't even know Thanos was appearing in... in first Avengers movie until he watched the yeah, first Avengers it's, movie and it's saw him. Comically funny how dicked over these guys get. These guys, Ed Brubaker, all of them. Well, 
At least with Ed Brubaker, with the plotline for Winter Soldier, I mean... He didn't create a character, though. I understand his point is they took his story and stabbed it into a movie, but he didn't create the... He created the moniker of Winter Soldier, but he didn't create the character of Bucky Barnes. That's and the, the original... Yeah, and the original uh, plot of that storyline also involved the Red Skull, Russia, um, there was uh, Skull and uh, Crossbones, whatever his name was. I've never read Ed Brubaker's Captain America stuff. Is it basically, is he basically the Marvel Red Hood? Um, Dead character comes back to life, starts as a bad guy, becomes an anti-hero. Yeah. Well, nobody yes, voted no. to kill off Bucky Barnes. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, I would also say that the difference uh, being that Bucky in the original comics also very willingly like killed Nazis as well, and that was something that obviously Batman and the Bat family didn't want. Um, also, uh, the Winter Soldier program in specific was highlighted because they froze him, uh, brainwashed him, brought him back out. I mean, what they did in the movies was a very good adaptation from that. Obviously, they didn't include the elements of the Russia conspiracy and the Red School conspiracy and all of that. But, I mean, for as far as an adaptation goes, they did a damn good job. Um, Another it, thing I want... To, sorry, have you got more about that point? I, I, no, not really. Go ahead. Okay, just regarding original characters that are created for these companies... Before the episode, Josh asked me if I'd learned anything in any of the newsletters I've been reading on Substack lately. And I think I've mentioned this in a previous episode, maybe. But James Tynan, when he was writing his Batman run, the reason he's got so many new original characters throughout it... Oh yeah, you mentioned this. Such as Punchline... Clown Hunter, Ghostmaker, The Garden of Miracle Miracle Molly... All these. He said that when he was writing his scripts when 5G was still on the table and they didn't really know what was happening at DC and everything was in a state of flux, he would put in his pitch for a story, get the approval for the characters he wants to use. He'd go write the story, write the script, pass it on to the artist. The artist would be into drawing it. And then he'd get a memo saying, oh, this character is no longer available because plans have changed for them. Then he'd, he'd have to go back, rewrite the script, pass on. The artist would have to redraw the issue. And there was a lot of shifting everything was in a state of flux so he was constantly having to rewrite scripts he'd already written change plans sure. all this so he decided to just basically create his own original characters but dc couldn't really stop him using mm-hmm. because yeah and this isn't even the first time that we've seen something like that i mean how many creators have tried to use abc characters and then get stopped by editorial yeah so that's the reason why tynan's had so many original characters in the run which I feel has been a complaint from some people. Some people have been saying, oh, it's good that he's bringing something new to the world. But some people mm-hmm. have been saying, it's kind of weird he's bringing these characters in when there's already people he could use. Sure. Um, this is, I think, a point where I actually want to bring up a legal term called fair use when it comes to copyright in America and when it comes to American companies. So... Let's say that you're making a documentary or you're filming something for the news, right? And in the backdrop, there's a McDonald's archway sign. What happens with that? So, in this thing that you're making, you're going to try and make a profit off of it. 
of the film. Let's say that you do, absolutely. But in the backdrop, unintentionally, you have the McDonald's archway sign or someone, there's an advertisement for a uh, burger from Mickey D's. Mm-hmm. So Mickey D's can lay claim to part or all of your product. This is an interesting argument that has been done before. So this is where the term fair use comes into play. And it, uh, the reason I bring it up is because it actually applies to uh, characters, uh, creations that are so widespread that it is almost impossible to get away from them in the world, in the real world, that is. So I use Mickey D's because in one case, they tried to uh, sue for copyright uh, use off of profit with them in the backdrop of a film, movie, TV show, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And the courts decided that because it was simply in the background, it wasn't the highlight of the storyline, it was kind of accidental, it wasn't intentional, uh, and they can prove all of that, that fair use happens. Now, with the logos of Batman, Superman, all of these characters that are so incredibly famous at this point, um, that same uh, argument has been done multiple times over as well. And it's actually the same reason why you can see some comic books, some uh, books in general, films, whatever, highlight these sorts of things. There are exceptions, obviously, because in movies such as like Iron Giant, for example, they actually do use real comic books, like actual DC comic books in that film. And they highlight not only the word Superman, but the emblem, the logo, a, a picture of him and a comic book. Uh, and while they don't go into very explicit amounts of detail, the reason why they were able to do so is because it was under the Warner Brothers uh, logo, and they were able to just go, oh, well, we have the copyright to that, that's completely fine. But in other cases, if there's a scene where someone does something that's even re- resembling the uh, Christopher Reeve you know, pulling of the shirt open to f- reveal the logo, sometimes they can sue for that just based on the, the movements themselves, but fair use comes into play. Some of these characters are so huge and so well-renowned in the world that you can't get around it. And realistically, that's the other part of this argument that I think that people are not really talking about is because these characters have become so huge and so recognized in the world that the creators do deserve some form of uh, copyright ownership and claim over it uh, in the end. Now... In some arguments, they're going to go to, well, we've given um, recognition for the original creators. Um, you know, uh, uh, Batman created by Bob Kane with Bill Finger has been the new resolve for that as of the Bill Finger documentary from Hulu. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to actual compensation, there's been, majority of the time, courts going to agree with the original contracts. And unfortunately, that's what happens with contract work is you're going to get screwed in the end if you don't read the fine print. Even if you don't think of yourself as someone who's making something that's absolutely enormous right now. In the NFT world, that's something people are talking about right now. Um, With uh, non-fungible tokens in the creation of art, the copyright is yours just by creating it. Same thing with taking a photo, whatever. Uh, But when you sell the actual copyright for it, that's it. That's done. You can't make any more profit off of that. That was a one-time deal. You make the profit off of the selling of that copyright. So when it comes to contract work like this, there's really nothing that's going to compensate or, or save these creators from this work because of the nature of business in America. And in a lot of ways, whether we can agree that it's predatory or not, 
it is the nature of this uh, market in this industry. Yeah. Well, you keep saying creators, but it is the estates that represent the creators that have, you know, they're no longer here. It's yes, but because the children, of the uh, yeah the grandchildren of those folks, I I find it a bit harder to support them. But I also like I don't want to support you know the big mega corporations. Like you know they don't need more money. No, they, they only absolutely stand don't. to they only stand to lose a bit of profit in the u.s they have all of the rights to outside of the u.s they're only mm-hmm. standing in these suits to lose anything profit wise in the u.s and this is the reason why image comics was formed is because when you make that creation that's yours that's that's the full ownership yep. that's the this work is, that you get is you just, just working with publishing i want to bring up i learned this week that skybound entertainment retains the rights to your comics you publish through them Oh, okay. Is that? Oh, I thought it was the other way around, where you, if you're writing for Skybound, you retain your rights. So it's no, that's like the same Earth, with Skybound all owns all the rights to Skybound, right? Yeah. Radiant Black. Yep. All that stuff. Or at least a percentage of the rights. I'm not sure how. Yeah. Come on, Kirkman. Yeah. No, 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 no. Feel... It has to. It the way that they have advertised it in specific has to be that because of. Uh, how Image Comics has agreed to make their works in the first place. While there may be a publishing house that is a subsidiary through the actual publishings of Image Comics themselves, the profits that they are going to retain from um, the sales and distributions is more that it's going to be strongly associated with those things, but the creators still get full copyright owner copyright ownership of those uh, creations. Skybound pays the rights and artist page rate, but they retain rights to the work. That goes against what they've been advertising themselves as, though. But it's not all of Image, it's just Skybound and Kirkman. Hmm. Then then why would he... His entire thing is making a big fuss about how his time working at Marvel was a horrible place to work at. It was a terrible place. Yeah, I'm place. sure it's better. Like, he doesn't abuse rights, but, like, he does at least own a partial right in all of the creations through, through Skybound. Again, that's just weird because I feel like I've heard nonstop about how Image has claimed that the creators get full ownership of those things, of their creations. That's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, that's something to look into later. Um, I guess we can so, move on to the next thing, unless you guys have something else to say. Just one more thing that. Yeah, please. Uh, the lawyer representing uh, the Ditko estate and. I'm not sure if the Larry Lieber estate is separate from this. I think it's a different suit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the Ditko estate, they are being represented by the same lawyer that represented the folks for the Siegel and Schuster uh, lawsuit. You know uh, what? That is something I forgot to bring up. Thank you very much so for bringing that up. Marvel is starting to frame this as kind of like, this lawyer is just trying to shake us down to mm. see if they can make any money off of this. Because I believe... Well, they didn't win with DC. I think there was still like an out-of-court settlement just to make this go away. Probably. Um, now, I know that there's going to be people who are going to say, well, okay, I don't know how this is really going to affect me. But realistically, whenever anything like this comes into play and something uh, like this comes into the foray, especially something this big, it really does set a precedent for a legal precedent for copyright ownership moving forward. Um, yeah. and this is something that you're going to see in music. 
I mean, we've already seen uh, some artists really try to uh, fight to have more ownership of their music from either companies or I think it was uh, the guy from Smashing Pumpkins, um, Billy, Bill, Billy Corgan, thank you. Uh, who tried to say that whenever his music gets played on the radio that he should be receiving some sort of a profit from that uh, yeah. because of the advertising and everything. Um, it's, again, that question of, like, how do you get that workaround We've for... We've also seen, it's gone on a bigger scale, Taylor Swift's been re-recording all of her own songs mm -hmm. to own the rights to them. Oh, right. Yep. Yep. Uh... Sorry, I wanted to kind of put in there, uh, you remember, I think it was about a year ago, where Sony and Disney were basically fighting over rights to Spider-Man, and there was the whole, like, oh, Spider-Man not, might not be in the uh, MCU anymore. Yeah. And seeing how yeah. fans responded to that, either telling Sony to knock that off, or telling either one to play fair. Mm -hmm. So it, it's been interesting to see where people come down on uh you know the estates suing marvel well i mean that's not even that's the one that's that's bigger but i think the one that's slightly more interesting as far as a workaround is with what's happened with hulk because universal only just recently released the rights back to marvel and disney mm -hmm. and that's the number one reason why there hasn't been a new hulk film since the edward norton one back in like 2008 i think it was um, yep right and like same exact time that iron man came out they both came out yeah. together yeah because you had the yeah remember because the ending yep incredible hulk was and they really did like want to tie everything together but it, again it's that question of uh who's got the ownership for those film rights and it's 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 also the same reason why we haven't seen a new green goblin in any of the sony films so far at least it's the same reason why we haven't seen some of the more popular Spider-Man characters, uh, because when you're purchasing the copyright or the rights to at least publish or create some things, in this case, films, uh, yeah. for these characters, you're also taking the villains, Mary Jane Watson, Aunt you May, need, with yeah. them. You need the, the villain persona. You need the villains, like, you know, actual alias. They're real. Like, you need Peter Parker and you need Spider-Man mm -hmm. to uh, do the whole thing. And there Eddie actually Brock, has, and you need Venom. Yes, yes, and that's actually that's a very interesting uh, point to be made because there has been some workarounds of well, what qualifies, and this is a legal argument here, what qualifies as Spider-Man? Is it the costume? Is it Peter Parker? In this case, they're saying it's Peter Parker and the Spider-Man costume, the red, blue, etc. But there, that might also include the uh, Clone Saga, so it could be uh, Ben Riley. Um, now, the other question is Miles Morales. So, obviously, Sony made the Into the Spider-Verse franchise, so they have the rights to all of that universe and everything now. But it could be a, a question of if they surrender the rights to one portion of this universe, of this uh, rogues gallery, that could mean that Marvel could go off on their own with a new series of Miles Morales films, you know, Spider-Gwen, what have you. Um, but it's that legal workaround of what do you define when you look at these collections of words and if Spider-Man's not in New York, is it a Spider-Man movie? Is it 
still Spider-Man if he is not a thin, white, coated Jewish uh, Queens kid who's really intelligent. You know, it's these little changes that you can argue as a part of the ad adaptation process. But ultimately, if it comes down to this, you know, finite list of uh, characteristics in that world, that's what uh, lays claim to the uh, rights. And that's the same reason why we haven't seen very many other uh, Hulk villains outside of the Abomination uh, in the Marvel Universe right now. And we're going to be seeing the Abomination come back in She-Hulk. Uh, She-Hulk is going to be appeared in Shang-Chang. Shang there you go. Did you not see um, it yet, Tyler? No, I actually wanted to go see it with uh, my friend, but oh, uh, he wasn't interested sorry. in going to see it with me. So No, 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 you're we, fine. We, you already told me. You he was seen in the it trailer. Already. Yeah, it's in the trailer. It's not even a big deal. Yeah. Oh, right, because I didn't watch too many of the trailers. I, you know, I try to avoid as much as I can. Literally, I totally his, understand. his role in the trailer was exactly the amount of screen time he got in the movie. Yeah. That was his scene. Okay. It might have been an extra three or four seconds. Yeah. All right. So not uh, that big of a deal. I think we've waxed poetic on this enough. Yeah, we can. And we can actually move on to the next uh, bit. Um, DC has announced that the reason for the multiple delays uh, for the upcoming comics has been because of the pandemic. Uh, the reasons, uh, I'm sorry, the issues in specific that they're saying are issues such as uh, Batman, Catwoman. Uh, I believe they said Justice League as well. Yes, yeah, so uh, Batman Catwoman is a bit different because Yeah, uh, but they're still yeah. saying that it's a supply issues uh yeah, as but well. it's, supply it's of warm strange. bodies to draw the pictures. <laughs> I guess. But it's just strange the ones that are being delayed because it's not sort of an entire week stuff. We've got four issues of Static Shock delayed, four issues of Wonder Girl, several different Batman books. Superman mm. books too. Feels like the yeah, I mean, just we like a handful here and there. Son of Cal L was supposed to come out this past week and it got delayed one week. But I feel like maybe yeah. some of the other Superman books too have been. But it's just strange delayed. that it's not all across the board. It's just like Wonder Girl's been like releasing every like six or seven weeks anyway, and now they're like, oh, four issues delayed because of COVID. It feels like they're just using it to justify their delays. Yeah, Wonder Girl keeps getting delayed. Like, how were four issues of Static delayed, but, mm, like, only one other issue from the Milestone stuff with hardware? Well, according to the Games Radar uh, article, they're suggesting that um, the delays are a combination of issues with supplies, where they've been prioritizing uh, paper supplies and workforce shortages to be focused on the big hitters, the ones that they know are going to sell. So, obviously, Batman, uh, etc. But... <clears throat> They've been trying to keep the delays and shortages to a minimum at this point, uh, but because of the port closures with uh, the pandemic, they are having to find ways to work around it. And the reason for the digital release delays is because they want them to remain day and date with the print editions. Um, and I mean, it's probably a combination of the fact that there is these freight delays, workforce shortages, paper supply issues, as well as the creator issue uh, concerns that they're having right now. Now, in the case of Batman Catwoman, at least, we know that that's an art delay as well. Yes. But that's all we really know. But isn't issue eight another one of the Liam Sharp issues? Um, he was doing a two-parter. Maybe, but I'll tell you this right now. If he does fill in work for the rest of that friggin' book, I'll buy him, man. It's great. He's only doing two issues, I think, and then it's back to Clayman. 
I don't know if it's just that it's Liam Sharp or if it's the inker or the colorist, but man, I'm just, it's such, it's so good. It just looks fantastic. Um, yeah. So there you go. That's the reason for the delays going on right now. And it's interesting to see that there's still all of these issues. It's almost like we're still in the middle of the pandemic and it's still something that we're actually all dealing with and not something mm -hmm. that's just going away magically. Yeah. Fucking ridiculous. Um, there's also been an announcement uh, from Jeff Lemire on his social media page uh, that Black Hammer is going to be coming to a close. The announcement came in the form of a picture released on his social media, I believe it was on Twitter, uh, of a script that he was finishing up, which read in the title, Black Hammer, The End, The Bible of Black Hammer. And could this mean that this is him finalizing... Uh, his work on Black Hammer entirely, possibly letting other creators hop on it, especially with what's been going on with Black Hammer. Well, Visions. he's already announced that he's going to have more. He's going to have a load of Substack issues coming out for it. Yeah, he's so busy. Yeah, so whether yeah, it's is. just the end of the main series, which had like Black Hammer, Black Hammer Age of Doom, whatever the third one was, Reborn. Whether it's just at the end of yes, whatever it was. Whether it's just the end of this main series, and then he's still going to have all the little spin-offs and weird stuff going on elsewhere. Because he's been publishing a lot of Black Hammer stuff. Yeah, that remains to be seen. A lot of stuff. And, I mean, we just had an issue uh, from S Scott Snyder with Dave Rubin on uh, Black Hammer Visions. Uh, so it's not like these comics are stale and, you know, out of date or anything. So it's it's very much a decision to uh, probably just put a, a final nail in the coffin for how things are going to be uh, moving forward. At least for how we know it now. What if they um, just which have, is... like, the entire cast of doom patrol just pivot to be black hammer just like we're gonna take this, <laughs> all of this production right here and we're going to take all these people and then we're just going to make black hammer that would be interesting <laughs> um i really do want you guys to check out black hammer i think it's that you guys this. really like I've, it yeah after the last couple of weeks of the lamaya stuff i'm really interested in checking this out now yeah. I mean, I'm, he's been I'm, a fantastic writer. I'm buying writer. up uh, issue one on eBay at the minute and contemplating yeah, if I'm, buying it. Let me look up real quick. It'll be a good investment. I mean, they're already going to make it into a show. Yeah, I can get yeah. issues one to four for like $40. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. I don't know. I yeah. see Black Hammer and uh, I think like Jeff Lemire, Jeff Lemire is trying to do like his own like Mike Migula style. Like it kind of looks like... Uh, Hellboy, or it kind of looks like uh, Umbrella Academy, which was like its own version of Doom Patrol. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, uh, I think Gerard Way even said he, that he that wrote, was the reason why he... he said he always wanted to write Doom Patrol, but didn't think he'd ever get the chance. So he wrote, he created Umbrella Academy, and then he went on which to is funny. write Doom Patrol, yeah. which ended up being heavily heavily delayed because of Nick Darrington's slow art. Which I thought was weird because I thought that he was really fast no. as a, as an artist. Because Batman Universe seemed to just go. But that was like... That came out over like a long period of like... They, you got like five pages in. Maybe they had a nice in. runway for him to have all the art done ahead of time. Before they started releasing. Yeah, because it, it was like five pages coming out monthly in that um, Walmart special. And it was only oh, later yeah. when it got collected. So Walmart yeah, yeah, yeah. special? Yeah, I remember when DC was doing the Walmart specials? Whatever. It was like two or three years ago. They were apparently really hard to find and didn't really sell. They were. Because they weren't 
because they were too hard to find. They were, uh, but they did reprint a lot of those issues uh, to be sold in comic book stores. Um, it was a contract they were doing. I think this was back when Didio was to, still in. To work your whole life to have your art become a Walmart exclusive. Yeah, right, exactly. I mean, we've seen stuff come out like Target exclusives before, too. Remember when Prince came out with the Target exclusive album? Yeah. Weird but stuff, But he's got man. such a catalog, he can just say, you know, just go through the f this. You guys can have that. I mean, I guess, but I mean, it was new work that he had made. He yeah. made it specifically to be released to them, I think. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I, he's got such a large, like, they've got, he's got, like, you know, a whole vault of things that he, you know, never released. And Does he like, really? I estate, don't know about his, his estate will just go through and, like, now that, you know, since he passed however many years, a couple of years ago? Who is this, sorry? Prince. Prince. Ah. <laughs> But he's got so much, like, recorded music that's never been released that they're just, like, going through the library and, like, okay, we can... Oh, I see what you're together. saying. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. Okay. Um, there's been an announcement. I just want to know just, like, a weird fact. Let me just find it. About Prince the Musician or The yes. Prince? Not the one you killed. The Musician. <laughs> ah. Um, ba bum bum you know the episode of Simpsons that had Michael, Jack Michael Jackson in it that was actually voiced by Michael Jackson? Okay. Do you remember that episode? Yeah. Yeah, Vaguely. there was going to be a sequel with Prince in it. Where the same guy came back, but like the same like random guy, but he was voiced by Prince this time instead of Michael Jackson. Interesting. Um, Prince agreed... Like, they sent Prince the script, and he agreed to it. And then found out that he read the wrong script and he read like a fan script written by his chauffeur who read the original what? before it got delivered to him. Yeah. Okay. So the Sim Matt Groening and the Simpsons guy sent Prince a script, but like the chauffeur read it and rewrote his own script and gave that mm -hmm. one to Prince. And Prince said he disliked the Simpsons one and wanted his chauffeur ones to be used instead. Yeah. Oh. It was very strange. And he was a weird dude. Yeah. He was a weird, weird dude. Anybody who's seen Purple Rain knows that. Um, all right. Random factoids, and usually I'm the one who's got some random facts. All right. Uh, Ram V has announced uh, that he will be leaving Catwoman and Justice League Dark, and that Swamp Thing is going to be getting a second series. Swamp Thing is currently an 8 or 10 issue run. It's a 10 issue run, and I think it's about what seven issues in i believe so uh, and justice league uh, dark is in the back of justice league yes yeah, yes backup story at the minute unfortunately mm -hmm. like the regular justice league not last ride or anything like that nope uh the regular justice league uh it's in the back of it yeah um he's been doing that for quite a while maybe they've yeah he has for a while as well because it's what not even 10 pages usually maybe seven or eight well, I think that this is another the this is one of those things that Sean and I have had a uh, disagreement on. Is I think that the reason why it's been put in the backup is because Ben just wanted Ram V to be able to finalize his story, and uh, that they were going to cancel Justice League Dark. Uh, but I think that he thinks the opposite. That Bendis has said he wants to cross over, and that's why he put it in the main book. Sure, but I mean, I I really feel like he was trying to preserve Justice League Dark. It's not as, it's not the first time Bendis has stepped in and been like, no, please don't cancel that. And people actually listen to him because he's Bendis, you know? 
Yeah. Um, has he annu- <laughs> has he announced when he's leaving uh, Catwoman? He has not. Okay. Um, it's probably going to happen after Fear State at this point. Probably, um, yeah, get that out of the way, then leave so the next like sort of state uh, slate of creators can come on board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I wonder if he's going to be doing anything for Substack, Substack since he's been working with uh, Tinyan. Well, he's on the Jonathan Hickman book, isn't he? Is he? Yeah. Ram V? Is. Ram V? It's co-written by Ram V, Al Ewing, and Tina Howard. Teeny Howard. Which comic? Three Worlds, Three Moons. It is? I, yeah. Ram I didn't v. know that. Okay. Yeah, I, that's that's news to me. You guys are streets yeah. behind. Yeah. I guess. I'm surprised. All right. All right. Speaking of Ram V, uh, there's been an announcement uh, on Twitter by Al Ewing. Or was it by Ram V? I believe it was by Ram this announcement. Okay. Yeah. Uh, in response to a question. Yeah. Uh, in response to a question about the upcoming Venom series, which will be coming out in October, uh, it is clarified that both Al Ewing and Ramvi will be co-writing this, but it's going to be dual-focused. Issue 1 will feature both uh, Eddie's story written by Al Ewing and Dylan's story will be written by Ramvi, with subsequent issues will focusing uh, will be focusing on one or the other. Yes, some issues will have one, some issues will have the other, and I think he said some issues will eventually be interlaced or have. Sure. Yeah, it won't just be alternating back and forth. Some might have, you know, two issues for one and then two issues for another. This and is basically what's the happening. Trades will collect bits and pieces and sort of merge them together in order. Mm. Okay. Sense. Yeah. Uh, this is basically what's been going on with Sea of Stars with Jason Aaron and. Uh, uh, crap, what's his name? Hallam. Dennis Hallam. What is Sea of Stars? Sea of Stars is an image comic uh, that is a sci-fi story about a space trucker and his son. They get uh, a run-in with a space whale shark, basically, uh, that tears apart their ship, and they get separated. Um, the son gets introduced to a power source uh, that allows him to breathe in space and communicate with uh, extraterrestrial life, uh, including a space monkey and a space shark fish. I can't remember what it was. Sounds like Um, the craziest trip. It really is. Meanwhile, the father's trying to get to his son, uh, and he's basically pulling a Rick Remender in Black Science and just like, I gotta get my family and just Oh, I was thinking more like shit. Mel Gibson, give me back my son! That too, yeah. Give me back my family. Every single fucking film. Um, it's not a bad comic at all. It's just, it, it, it's something I think if you're not accustomed to just being able to pace yourself with it, it can be somewhat jarring, but it definitely is something that is uh, pretty captivating. And the art's really beautiful. Um... They went on a hiatus for about two months, I believe, and they just came back. Uh, Oh, I think I have seen this. Huh? I had no idea. It's a charming little book. Um, I know that we mentioned uh, Red Hood earlier. Uh, This is a new announcement from HBO Max. Uh, Apparently, they are reportedly working on a Red Hood movie, which will be tying into the Nightwing movie, which is also going to be released through HBO Max. Is this still the... It's not Chris McKenna, is it? Who's doing the Nightwing movie? I don't even know. I know it's someone was doing. To keep track. I know someone was doing the Nightwing movie, and then 
I think they might have dropped out of it. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. It's uh, not something that I've heard anything about. Yeah, um, no, this was back yeah. around the BDS release where they announced a load of shit that ended up not happening. Yeah, literally, like, a ton of fucking films that are just never going to get made at this yeah. point. But honestly, if you want to give me more HBO stuff, just building a Bat universe. But we've got a Batgirl series coming, a Batgirl movie coming, a Red Hood movie, Night movie, Batman with Patterson. Give me a big Batman world. Give me the Bat fam. Mm-hmm. So Batman. if Nightwing delete, doesn't delete happen, the, the Red Hood doesn't happen. Sorry. If if Nightwing doesn't happen, then probably the Red Hood doesn't happen. Oh, none well, of it's going to happen. Probably well, one, they've this, announced this one it. But... About DC is their projects don't happen. Place your bets. Yeah, I will bet. I mean, forty six cents that it doesn't happen. I will raise you a dollar. That's too rich for my blood. <laughs> I will bet you 46 squids. So this is the same... <laughs> this is my same complaint that I've had before. And two buttons that came off a jacket. I will raise you a sticker I found on the sidewalk and the biggest hug. I've also got some toenail clippings. Not mine. Why do you collect okay. that? What's wrong I think with we're you? getting a little weird now. I think Listen, we all got a little weird. Listen, we were talking about how you waffle stomp your poop in the shower. I think we're fine. No, we weren't. You were. Listen, don't we judge me. We ignored you while you did that, but... Yeah, Look, I we all poop in the shower. I was like, yeah, I'm not going there. Yeah. We all poop in the shower. It's fine. That's Sometimes you just gotta ha- let done. it happen. Yeah. Well, I don't... you know... That's one thing I'm going to try to avoid, you know... Until I'm maybe it might like happen when I'm like 80 or 90 yeah. and it just kind of falls out. But well, I mean, you're not that far off from that now, right? I mean, you got like only a couple of years left. I'm just so you just start losing control of your colon. Count down the days of colon. Count down the days colon. so I can get away with all sorts of stuff. Uh, he's <laughs> just do it. Ah, it's fine. He's fine. He's gonna it's die. It's not soon. worth the effort to tell him to stop. <laughs> anyway, um, last I just want to ask. Well, I just want to say this really quick. This is the same complaint that I've had before when it comes to uh, the DC announcements. It doesn't make sense to make a Red Hood movie when you haven't even established him as a Robin and developing him in the Batman movies or universe. So why why even jump the gun on it? It's just understood. Like Tyler, they didn't you know, give a fuck. for Spider Man, for the for the latest Spider Man, you didn't have to see Uncle Ben die to know that Uncle Ben had died. Yeah, but the reason why they did that is because we've seen him so many people like nineteen times. Yeah, I mean, at this point, we know the origin story, and if you don't know the origin yeah. story, like you just live under a rock. But anybody yeah, I've, that's I've seen actually Uncle ben going to watch more the Red Hood movie will I've already know. This, I think the Red Hood movie is going to be real niche. Yeah, even I'm not going to watch it. It's that niche. Fair enough. Final bit of news. Go for it. The Sandman trailer has been released. A teaser. It gave me enough. It was enough. I mean, it very much... I'll be honest with you. I guess I didn't really go into this expecting it to be... No, I didn't expect it to be that faithful of an adaptation. But so far, this looks like a very faithful adaptation. They're definitely going to have have to change some stuff early on. Because it ties into Justice League in the first few issues. Sure. Um, it, It also ties into... I think Swamp Thing at one point is mentioned... Uh, 
I can't remember when though. I mean, obviously you've got you know Etragon, you've got Constantine, you've got other characters yeah, they that are changed for Constantine stuff. It's now Joanna Constantine who is a relative of John Constantine. Oh right, yeah. Yeah, because HBO Max has laid their claim to Constantine. Yeah, you can go watch it. Like every other cu- every couple of months, it's on HBO Max. The Keanu Reeves Constantine. Yeah, that's getting a sequel, isn't it? Yeah, they're still Maybe. working on that. Yeah. It, well, they announced it, but it wasn't an accurate Keanu movie. Reeves. But it's still a good movie. Keanu Reeves no, is on the really. warpath to get all of his enjoyable. previous films another yeah. installment. Peter Stormare was great in that movie. He's great in all sorts of things. Most things. I th- I think the my the, the part of the film that I really enjoyed was Tilda Swinton mostly. She was like there were a lot of good stuff in the movie, but it wasn't a Constantine movie. As like a show I... Keanu Reeves fighting demons, it was enjoyable. If who could forget Shia LaBeouf? I know, right? I, so here's the thing: even if you're just looking at it as just a film by itself and not as a Constantine film, like it is still just a mediocre demon film. You know? Yeah, but it, I feel like there's still some watchability in it. It's an enjoyable movie. In the same way, Fast and Furious is an enjoyable movie where you're not going into watch, watching it thinking this can win awards, but you're like, this is kind of a fun watch. That was fun. Yeah. I mean, I guess that there are times where I will watch a film because I know it's going to be so bad I can make fun of it and have a laugh, like The Room, and I would put the Constantine by with Keanu Reeves and Fast and the Furious on that same bar. They're not that bad. Uh, no, they're, they're it's just that bad. It's, it's a terrible. Comparing film. the room to Fast and Furious, they're not the best movies, Correct. but they are watchable, mindless entertainment. So is a car crash, but it doesn't necessarily mean that know, it's quality man, entertainment. Like, you don't come out of the room feeling inspired to do anything. You come out of a I Fast feel the and opposite. Furious. Yeah, you come out of Fast and Furious you movies like up. I want to drive fast. Yeah, I want to exactly. race my cars, <laughs> and do, steal things, and whatever. I don't know. I don't know about Constantine. If I come out of the movie like I want to go kill some demons, I want to go quit smoking. <laughs> I want to go talk to the devil. Yeah. Anyway, back to the trailer. It does look very faithful. Uh, it looks like, like it has even high within production the... quality. Yeah, it does. The yeah. casting's good. He looks like Dream. Whether he acts like Dream remains to be seen. Yeah. Stop rhyming. He's got the mask. He definitely has the mat and the ruby. And the ruby. and the uh, the pouch. Yeah, which I don't remember what was in pouch. there, but I remember the um, ruby because the what was his name, Doctor Destiny, Doctor Death, something. Uh, let me think here for a second. So it was the pouch was the uh, issue where he actually met up with Constantine, and uh, it was uh, for Constantine's ex girlfriend who was a, an addict, and she was addicted to. Oh, it was his sand, sleep. wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is pouch of sand. Yeah. And it started like affecting the rest of the world, and then they walked into the house, and all that crazy stuff happens. I need um, to read Sandman. I read like the first half. I need to finish it. It's really good. I def- yeah. I I didn't go into it thinking that it was going to be a serial like here's a one issue for everything that was going on, kind of thing. Which I'm I'm actually looking forward to for the show. Uh, here's my question now. What was the, name <clears> of since... the guy who got the ruby? Oh, wasn't that uh? Doctor Fate? No, not Fate. Dr. I'm sorry. Destiny, um, something like that. Dr. Destiny. I think it was Destiny. Jack Ruby. I hate you. <laughs> Doctor Destiny. Yeah. Here's my question. That issue six is such fucking good horror. Whether a Medina. Mm-hmm. 
Here's my question. Since Lucifer has gone to Netflix now, uh, do we think that we're going to see Lucifer in the Sandman production? Uh, Yeah, it's played by Gwendolyn Christie from Game of Thrones, Brienne of Tarth. Oh, yeah, they already announced that at casting. My bad. You're completely right. Okay. She could do a good job. I'd rather David Bowie. But Mm, Yeah, but we'll we'll make do. Yeah. Cool. Just bring back Tilda Swinton. She was gay all the roles. I know. Have her play all the roles. All right. Uh, is there anything else you guys want to throw in here before we wrap up? No. Cool. All right. That's been our newest episode for the Occult of Comics podcast. I'm your host, Tyler. Uh, this has been our weekly news roundup where we talk about the things going on in the world of comic books. I'm Tyler. That's Sean. That's Josh. Uh, you can't find us on anywhere on social media, except you can find me on TikTok, where I occasionally make videos about comic books and things of that sort. You can go on to YouTube to subscribe to our video channel. You can check out our uh, distributions for the podcast on any of the podcast locations. You can go to anchor.fm slash cult of comics to check us out and check out our RSS feed, make your monthly contributions, or you can also go into patreon.com slash cult of comics. Those monthly contributions will give you a reward of the biggest hug, a picture of my feet that I've drawn myself, as well as access to our Discord channel where we would love to have you on for conversations. And I've still Uh, got these toenail clippings I need to get rid of. I, you disgust Pass. Thank you for checking us out. Thank you for supporting us. Hit that like button, hit that share, hit that subscribe, and most importantly, give us that dollar because the dollar makes us holler. And thank you for checking us out. Have an awesome rest of your day. Stay safe out there. Get vaccinated. Wear your mask. All hail and have an awesome rest of your night.